Hi, this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters, and today we're going to be speaking with Ken Walsh. Ken is the CEO of the Alfond Youth and Community Center in Waterville, Maine, um, also known as the AYCC. He's been in that role now for, oh, I think over 20 years. Um, so, Ken, thank you for coming on the show today. Happy to talk with you. Well, John, uh, thank you very much, and uh, thank you for uh, putting together this uh, great show. Um, and uh, I've been listening uh, uh, to some of the uh, uh, topics, and they're, they're fantastic, and I know you have so many more. I want to mention a little bit about the AYCC. So the AYCC is the only merged Y Boys and Girls Club in the country. Uh, and still to this day, after 20 years, um, it is the only still Y Boys and Girls Club. It's like pulling the Yankees and Red Sox together, but we were able to do it in Waterville, Maine. Wow, that's that that is incredible because you know as most people listening might know there's literally thousands I think combined of boys and girls clubs across the country and in Canada um and um YMCAs so to be able to be the only facility in the country that has both under one roof is um pretty interesting how how did that come about Well you know it, it it's interesting because uh you and I have had this discussion in the past, uh, nonprofits about service. And, you know, unfortunately, um, a lot of nonprofits and communities uh, do not have uh, the appropriate conversations about streamlining efforts. And uh, in one of the main, when I came up here uh, 29 years ago uh, from um, upstate New York uh, and uh, then down in New Rochelle, New York, and coming here when I was working for the Boys and Girls Clubs, um, I realized pretty quickly in a small town that there was a y, YMCA, a Boys and Girls Club, and a recreation department, and they all fed off each other. And, you know, it, it's it's a uh, ingredient of disaster uh, in many communities because uh, when you have a tremendous amount of overhead, uh, you can't put the efforts towards your core um, service of what the nonprofit mission is all about. And uh, we were lucky to have a philanthropist in our community, Harold Alphon, who was the, the owner of Dexter Shoe Company and also the minority owner of the uh, Boston Red Sox. And he had the like mind. You know, he has a, a great business mind. And we always talked about how nonprofits have to act more like a business, uh, be as effective and efficient as possible for the bottom line. And in our community, thanks to Harold, he kind of motivated and was a catalyst to uh, br bring these entities together. And um, when you carry a big stick like Harold, meaning uh, a lot of resources as challenges, uh, people were listening. And from that, uh, John, which was really exciting, you know, long story short, uh, you know, any type of merger becomes challenging for profit, nonprofit. Uh, everybody goes to the table wearing their hats on. But when you talk about what the core reason for uh, the energy uh, to bring these entities together for the service of kids, it made all sense. So uh, when we opened up our door in 1999 and uh, we went from 1,200 youth members to $5,000, $13,000 in grants to over a million, uh, operation that was only $350,000, now it's uh, over $5 million, no debt, an endowment of $24 million. I would say that's pretty successful. Uh, but most important, 
not only on the financial side, is our outreach, which we'll talk a little bit about what we do. Um, but that's that's pretty much in a uh, in a small version of what happened. Uh, it could go in length, believe me, about a lot of the stories of how we had to get to where we needed to get to in a merger. Sure. Well, that, that's very interesting, and, and thank you for uh, shedding a little light on how that came to be. I, a uh, long time ago, I was uh, executive director of a Big Brothers Big Sisters agency in New England. And um, to your point, I, I remember back then it was all about fundraising, and we were competing with every other nonprofit in town, and um, all had great intentions. We were all were looking to do good things, but we were competing with each other for dollars and donations, and certainly a lot of overlap there. I think uh, what you just described is probably something that should be looked at, um, you know, on the national level. I think there's a lot of nonprofits out there that 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 could look at streamlining and and cooperating with each other and um, working together, which would allow them to be much more efficient with their dollars and ultimately serve their purposes at a higher level. Um, is that something that that you do you see that happening on the national level? Do people look at what you've been able to do in in Waterville and 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 look to do the same thing, or is it still just so competitive within the nonprofits out there that it, it's a hard hard thing to get them to want to do? Yeah, I don't I don't think it will ever happen on a national level unless the uh, roots of each individual community starts uh, looking into these um, uh, these efficiencies, and starting with the states. So, you know, when people um, have a, a idea about uh, developing a nonprofit, uh, you know, it's an easy application putting together a, a 501c3. But uh, either the states or commission should look at that and say, oh, wait a second, before you go down this pathway, is there another nonprofit that is doing something similar that you could fall yourself under that umbrella to streamline the administrative costs? And I think that's the big thing. Uh, like we merged with the Y Boys and Girls Club. We had two old faded facilities that needed major repair. And, you know, we, uh, we sold those, uh, facilities. Now they're taxable for the community. And we went to a area where you, you, it was a non-taxable recreation area to build our new facility. So that was a real win-win for the city of Waterville. But more importantly, the administrative side, you don't have two business managers, you don't have two HR people, you don't have two development directors, so you don't have two CEOs, you have the streamlining efforts. So the a commission should look at that and say, okay, what is your purpose? And um, is there any other individuals out there or organizations out there that can do that? Now, the, the issue is personalities, right? And we get through the, the personality piece, you could do a lot. And, you know, that's where it drives me crazy with uh, some of the nonprofits that might be out there. You know what? Hang your hat on the shelf and let's just talk about service. And if we're able to do that, I think that we could save millions and millions and millions of dollars that would then, on administrative costs, go right towards programming to serve the most disadvantaged kids or youth or families or whatever the service may be. Yeah, that's that's a very good um, way of looking at it. And, and for, the, for those people listening that have not been inside of the AYCC facility, 
in Waterville, the Combined Boys and Girls Club in YMCA. You really should stop in and take a look because to your point, Ken, what you have there is amazing um, on really every level. I think, you know, just from walking in the door for the first time to being able to see what, what's been able to be accomplished there by by using the efficiencies and by bringing everyone together for the common good in one central area as opposed to, you know, having competing nonprofits working in different areas of the um, of the city. It, it, you can see it with your own eyes. So along those lines, um, there's definitely been some transformative growth within your facilities and what you offer. So could you maybe take a minute and let the listeners know what the AYCC has to offer in terms of, you know, physical facilities and, and, and what people can um, expect to, to be able to utilize and what you've been able to build? Yeah, you know, and, and I, I think that goes with the culture of our uh, and our philosophy of our organization. It's not what it is, it's what it can be and what you can evolve to and what are the needs of the community. And I think that's where our successes have been, um, uh, you know, uh, driven towards is, is really having that mindset. And our staff is very creative and uh, uh, very passionate about what they do. So um, one, we're one of the largest licensed child care programs in the entire Northeast. Uh, we're licensed up to 250 kids just in this one place, uh, but we're licensed for another uh, 150 in other places. Um, so that core program is where all, the, all of the other programs evolve around. So the most disadvantaged uh, kids in our area, there's no barrier, there's no obstacles for them to participate in any of our programs here. Um, and they come here, they get uh, a free hot meal. Last year, we served over 85,000 hot meals, uh, free meals for these kids. Uh, and then on the weekends, uh, up to 120 to 150 backpacks on the weekend. Uh, and during the pandemic, we even stepped up even more uh, for, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, along with a lot of holiday things. So uh, that core element um, um, is key for us. And also with learning loss issues going on with the pandemic, uh, that's one of the things our staff has really been paying attention to, working with the superintendent of the school, working with our other partners to make sure that these kids um, have the opportunity to excel. Uh, so uh, that's one tale of one uh, of part of our city. The other tale of the, the merger of the Y Boys and Girls Club is the y, great Y programs are, that we, um, you know, uh, unveil with our uh, two indoor swim pools, you know, our dolphin swim team, our swimming lessons, you know, over 400 kids per session participate in the learn to, uh, learn to swim program. Uh, you know, we have the karate martial art program and we have one of the best martial artists, uh, teaching our kids and he's one of our kids who've come through our program, works here for full, full time and has done a great job. Uh, you know, you have the basketball programs. We have a triple gymnasium, uh, indoor track. Um, now we opened up a $7 million wellness center, uh, for our senior citizens, our, our adults, our families. Um, it, it goes on and on, 150 different programs that we run here. And then we have this great camp operation at Camp Tracy, which your daughter's involved with, John. And, and, uh, you know, we renovated that, uh, facility, um, back were 10 years ago, uh, when we merged with the Y, there was, you know, an operation that was open seven, eight weeks out of the year. Uh, 60 kids would bus in and bus out. 
And, uh, you know, again, thinking outside the box, we said, you know, in Maine, on a lake, this beautiful lake, trails, uh, we need to do something. Uh, so we went on a $5 million campaign. We raised enough money uh, to put a outdoor theater, uh, you know, uh, the Peter Alphon Lodge, uh, the L.L. Bean rope course, uh, and building the very own first licensed uh, mini Fenway Park uh, that is at Camp Tracy. Uh, and that moved on to, well, if we have Fenway Park in 2007 and 2016 when the Cubs won the World Series, we figured that it's time to build a Wrigley Field, which we did as well. Um, so exciting things, and, and it's, it's endless. But the key thing, not to stop. Um, so one of the things that our board is exploring and moving forward with is building a, a skating arena. Uh, it's a multi-purpose skating arena. So what has always been a hockey town uh, for since the 20s and a lot of New England and state championships. So this year we're really pushing on uh, building a $7 million skating rink. Wow, yeah. I read recently about the um, the skating rink project, and I want to talk about that in a second. But getting, getting back to some of what you just mentioned, I mean, the facilities, as I said, are amazing. People need to take a look at them if they haven't seen them. Uh, the new wellness center that, that just opened, uh, you know, unfortunately, prior just prior to uh, the pandemic um, is, is incredible. And, and I think moving forward, that that's just going to be something the community is going to um, really enjoy taking advantage of. Um, you know the indoor running track or and walking track that you have is is very appealing. I would imagine, particularly in in the cold winter months. Um, you mentioned the indoor pools. You've got a, a brand new fitness center that is as good as any I've seen in any any gym in the in the country. You've got the um, indoor biking uh, spin classroom. I, I've seen a yoga room which has amazing views out out um, over the river and uh, just a, a real world class facility. So anyone who hasn't gone in there should. And, you know, getting back to, you had mentioned the, the 85,000 hot meals that you provide per year in the community. That That's a huge number. I mean, let's think about that for a second. 85,000 hot meals provided to kids that otherwise would probably be hungry. And uh, you and I have spoke about this, Ken. When, when kids are hungry, uh, it affects their entire day. It affects their, affects their ability to learn it affects their ability to obviously be healthy and, and grow properly. It affects their ability to participate in sports, athletics, um, academic activities, extracurricular activities, um, just, just everything. So, you know, can you talk about that for a second? It's it's more than just giving someone a meal. It, it, wasn't there a study done that showed that a certain percentage of kids uh, in, in the community would actually be hungry if it wasn't for this meals program? Uh, yes, John. So it, it's uh, good to um, go back to the roots of how this all happened. So at the old Boys and Girls Club facility before we moved here back in the um, early 90s when I arrived in Waterville, um, uh, I didn't realize food insecurity was such a big issue. So everybody's talking about food insecurity now, but uh, back 30 years ago, um, you know, we we started and and tack the issue um, right away. And what happened was I was noticing uh, a lot of our after-school kids hanging around the vending machines and waiting for our adults coming into the facility to go swimming 
uh, and asking for money to buy some uh, food from the vending machine. So I started asking questions uh, with the kids and the staff and realized that these kids were hungry. And uh, we teamed up with the community action program in town, KVCAP, and discussed uh, how we could provide uh, just snacks during that time period. And then we started doing studies uh, and, and surveys and finding out that a lot of these kids are going, were going to school hungry and were get, weren't uh, getting the meals later on at night as well. So that, uh, that transpired a, a heavier conversation that led into uh, when we were building this brand new facility, a full kitchen with a full kitchen manager uh, to serve uh, those kids that needed the food the most. So, you know, on a daily basis, we could feed up to anywhere from, you know, two to 300 kids uh, every day uh, that come in here. And, it's, uh, you know, it's a free hot meal. And uh, then we realized that that's great Monday through Friday, but the weekend, the kids are still hungry. And that's when we started developing the backpack program. So the backpack program, they actually take home on the weekend a backpack that has some food in it, in it for them? That's correct. And uh, that's another study. We started asking, you know, family members or guardians of the kids, of, well, what, would they, what would be helpful and um, how can we supply some weekend food to some of these uh, family members that need it? Well, that's that's just amazing, and you know, uh, for people that are listening, uh, just keep in mind what what Ken just went over because when you when you join the AYCC, you know, not only do you get access to all these wonderful facilities as an adult um, that are available now, I, I think they're the greatest uh, collection of you know fitness and wellness. I think it's the greatest fitness and wellness facility. Uh, that I've seen in the state of Maine, to be honest, um, definitely nothing close to it in central Maine. But when you when you join your facility, that membership fee, part of that money that you pay to belong, it's not just going to help you get fitter, more fit, and, and use the facilities. You're actually helping to pay for a lot of these programs, which I think is a lot different than you know if you join a uh, a global chain gym like a planet fitness or something not that there's anything wrong with them but you know that's money that's going to the corporate bottom line as opposed to money that's staying in the community to help help people um you know get feed that feed the children so i think that's that's really incredible that you're doing that work and i commend you for it yeah you had mentioned uh, a little bit about uh, the, the hockey rink program the ice hockey rink I think you said it's a seven million dollar project. I read recently that in the newspaper that you signed um, a ninety nine year lease with the city. Um, I think Colby College might have contributed some equipment. Can can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Um, what the plan is for building it? How it's going to help the community, not just from a hockey perspective, but maybe a a larger perspective? What, what's going on with that? Yeah. So uh, three years ago, Central Maine Youth Hockey which is an organization that's been around for a while, uh, reached out uh, to our organization and talked about the lack of access uh, for kids, one, to learn how to skate, but to play hockey. Um, as we all know, hockey can be a very expensive sport. 
you know, with the skates and equipment, um, you know, to run into hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Um, and then time to be able to get on any uh, sheet of ice can be challenging. Um, what my interest was, truthfully, is that if I did a, uh, a questionnaire to any of my kids in the after-school program, not one of them would probably say that they earn, uh, own a skate of uh, ice skates or actually had the opportunity to skate. So I said, man, I mean, that's what the, the difference was with Waterville and why Waterville was so successful in states and New England and the championships. Uh, everybody learned how to skate and everybody had uh, a rink in their backyard and there was a lot more access. So, you know, that's where this conversation started developing and starting to cement into um, developing a, a, a rink that these kids could get back onto. And thanks to uh, Doug and Rita Suforth, who used to own Suki Arena, and they had to close down. He was kind of uh, subsidized in that program for 20 years, and um, he just couldn't do it anymore. You know, he was putting uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of his own money just to uh, balance the budget there. He contacted me, uh, and it was right before Christmas of 2019, and said, Ken, uh, I'd like to participate here, and, and the way I'm going to do it is I'll help you and help develop this skating rink, but also I'll pledge a million dollars to make this happen. And if we could get Kobe College's old rink, which they now have a brand new rink, but they had the first Harold Alphon donation back in 1950 to build a rink. Uh, and if we get the equipment, that's probably a million dollars worth of equipment. We're off and running to start a campaign. So that's what happened. Kobe agreed. And, and uh, now we, uh, you know, approached the city of Waterville. We needed a parcel of land that's on the North Street Park and Recreation uh, 13 acres of land, and in between the tennis courts and the pool, we have identified a space and just recently received, thankfully to the, the city of Waterville, the city manager, the mayor, and the council, is a 99-year lease uh, for the parcel of land to build. So our committee is up and running, and uh, now we're going to be um, putting a campaign to get, together to raise $5 million. So the end result uh, when we do raise this money, and I say we will, uh, because I think there's a really a bunch of passionate people out there that really care about this project, skating will be back in this town in full force. And we will have more people involved with, uh, you know, figure skating, public skating, hockey, um, indoor lacrosse, field hockey, sports, because uh, the other six months we're going to turf it. Uh, and it's going to be a tremendous asset to Waterville and being part of the Waterville renaissance that's happening uh, now and, and that's going to happen into the future. Wow, that's that's amazing. And, and uh, you, you nailed it. I mean, I before I um, began going to Maine, before I attended the University of Maine, I grew up in Massachusetts and um, went to high school in Massachusetts. And every single town, just about where I grew up, every town had its own hockey rink. So literally five miles away, you know, I grew up in Arlington. We had a rink. Cambridge had a rink. Lexington had a rink. 
everyone had their own rink and the hockey programs were phenomenal um you know my brother brother played hockey in uh, massachusetts went division one um and then and when you look at the national landscape uh and and even into the nhl and the professional leagues there's very few people uh hardly any from maine that uh that make it uh, to the higher levels of, of hockey, either either collegiately or um, you know beyond that, and that's that's because there's no rinks. People would think there are rinks because Canada has rinks everywhere, but to your point, it's extremely expensive uh, to operate a rink and to to build a rink and to um, you know keep it going, and and that's had a definitely had an effect on um, the people uh, on the effect on the ability for Maine children to participate in skating, whether it's figure skating public skating, hockey. So I think, um, you know, what you're doing here with this rink project, this hockey rink project is going to pay dividends tremendously in, in ways that we don't even know right now. You can't even imagine probably, or maybe you can, but, um, we'll both be old men and there'll be kids, you know, maybe playing hockey for the university of Maine in division one or Boston college or wherever it might be because you're doing this project. So I think it's wonderful. And it's been proven that when you have a, a hockey rink in a town, an ice skating rink, uh, you're going to, um, allow kids to, 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 to participate in that sport and, and to, um, excel at it. So I'm really happy to hear that you're doing that and we'll continue to follow that. Um, along those lines though, uh, we can start to wrap this up, but, uh, you're doing the campaign, um, f- for the rink. And so, Overall, like how important is philanthropy to the AYCC's mission? You know, what would you say to potential donors that are listening to this show right now in regards to their role or their potential role in helping the AYCC now and in the future? Yeah, you know, um, I I think there's a couple of ways of looking at that. One, you know, local, uh, you know, people should understand that this is their house, their home, and what they want. Uh, for families and kids to uh, do in their community, keep them safe and participate in uh, looking at long-term aspirations. So philanthropy is key. It's half our budget, you know, and without the support from our citizens and our community and beyond, uh, it it would not be where it is today. Um, And then those who are looking from the outside in, looking at Investing into an organization that has the creativity of streamlining efforts and looking at best practices and um, looking at a long-term basis. So there's the current basis of giving for like the backpack program, meal program, but endowment building and plan giving is absolutely key to success for long-term. We had an endowment 20 years ago that was zero. Now it's 24 million. 24 million in a small Waterville town. So think about that. If nonprofits looked ahead and be more proactive in long-term sustainability, it'd make a big difference in regards to what you're able to provide for services in the community. And I, I think that's uh, it's so important. So short-term and long-term, you know, is is way people should be looking at this. And also... Speak with your, you know, with your heart in regards to what you want to happen in the community. So here, we know that we have the essential child care. We have that hot, the scholarships to go to Camp Tracy, the um, hot meals, the backpack program. So many different ways to participate. And without that philanthropy, we wouldn't be where we are. 
Wow. Yeah, that's um, that's good to hear, and, and that's a big number that you've um, built it up from zero to twenty-four million in the endowment. If if people listening are interested in in um, planned giving and and that sort of thing, should they contact you directly, or you know, how does a- that? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You know, planned giving, because you know, here's here's the, the key thing about planned giving, is I want to know what is important for them, right? And what type of project that is important. We have uh, planned giving gifts for scholarships for Camp Tracy, for kids, for the future, but we want this to be perpetual. So whatever you the plan is, like for example, our endowment, we're very prudent, uh, very conservative. We only take 3% allocation out of our endowment because one thing I learned from Harold Alphon is the word compound interest, right? So long-term, mm-hmm. in order for this organization to be sustainable, um, we want that account to continue to grow. So anybody who's investing into us for plant giving, we want that if they're naming on behalf of their mother or father or grandmother or themselves or whatever, that they know that account will be there forever and that will help sustain a program that's dear to them. So they could definitely contact me. We could talk about me. Wow. Well, that's great. Um, thanks for sharing that with us. And, you know, just to wrap things up, I, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, Ken. Uh, it's an amazing facility. I, I've learned a lot today just listening to you, um, but I would really encourage anyone in the community or, or even in the state to, to just swing swing by and take a look and, and, and see what they've been able to accomplish there. And it, it's truly amazing, and it's a wonderful asset to the community. And I, I think it's something that, um, you know, if there's a way to do it, it, it should be looked at on the national level because what you're doing up there in a small town is so impactful to so many people's lives every single day that it's really something that we could all learn from um, across the country if we could do some of the things that you've talked about today in terms of streamlining and and um, putting you know the uh, nonprofit missions together and, and stopping all the competition and trying to become more efficient and and being more efficient with the the money that's donated, which you're certainly doing. So, Ken, I want to thank you very much for coming on Mainly Matters and. Um, Maybe we'll follow up with you um, in a future episode, see what's going on with that hockey rink. Would that be okay with you? Oh, please, please. You know, and John, also, I want to thank you. Uh, You have that creative mind, and uh, you've been given back into so many uh, communities uh, beyond our country uh, internationally with Katie Rocks and what you're teaching your, your little one. Uh, We'll, we'll stay with her for the rest of our life. And, uh, uh, that's that's inspirational because that's what it's all about, handing the baton, and, and you're doing that on a daily basis. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. You're, you're welcome. And uh, I'll, I'll just I will say that uh, what what we do, what Ken was referring to, is I I started a little nonprofit myself called Katie Jane Rocks, my daughter's Katie. But that started from Camp Tracy. Um, she's attended four summers in a row. This past summer, uh, she was able to attend her hundredth uh, day at Camp Tracy. And, you know, our house, we, we live on the lake in Maine uh, in the summer on the same lake that Camp Tracy's on. So I, I knew it existed, but uh, once she got involved in it, when she was old enough to go, is when it really opened my eyes to what you're doing there. And, and that's what um, really spawned the idea for us to start our little Katie Jane Rocks 
uh, .org nonprofit, and, and we do uh, use some of that money to go to Camp Tracy scholarships. But it all started with Camp Tracy, so that's wonderful. Thanks for mentioning that. Ken, thanks for coming on. This is John Breyer with Mainly Matters, and we'll be back with another episode soon. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you.